News at 6 with Karis Brain. Coming up on tonight's show, the Vice-Chancellor Cohen Lamberts has held a press conference to discuss the uni- u- university strategy. Police investigating the disappearance of Claudia Lawrence have arrested a man on suspicion of her murder. Our reporter Ben Basin will be here with the full story. The University of York has dropped two places in the league tables. It's now ranked at 14th in the country. But is this something students are actually concerned about? And next year's York Sport Committee has been announced. We'll be talking to some of the new committee members later in the show. Plus, all your sporting news were from Mitch Holder Mansfield. As always, if you have any opinions on tonight's stories, you can tweet us at Your Wine News or send us in a message via the website yourwine.org.uk. But first, here are your Your Wine News headlines with Ben Basin. Your Wine News at 6 with Karis Brain. Thanks very much, Ben. You're listening to the UOI News Hour, where we'll be bringing you the latest news from York Uni campus. I'm Karis Brain, and thank you very much for joining us. So first up tonight, the university's new vice-chancellor, Cohen Lamberts, has held his first press conference. This happened on Monday, and he was discussing his plans for a U- university strategy. UOI's reporter, Harry Gagan, went along to find out what the VC had to say. Yesterday, Cohen Lamberts, for University of York's new Vice-Chancellor, introduced himself to the student body and set out seismic plans for the future of the Institute. The overriding theme of the talk was on growth, initiatives including restructuring of the university, providing more opportunities for students and looking for new avenues for funding. Cohen Lamberts introduced the talk by illustrating the importance of a proposal for students. Over the next five, ten years, and um, we put it out for consultation with everybody. Um, literally the entire university community hopefully will, will have a say about this. Um, and so the students are a very important part of that community um, and we really want to hear what they think as well. So getting the students to engage with, with the consultation is, 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 is one of the challenges we have because they have to realise you know, that they're, they're members of the community. Mr Lamberts is enthusiastic to make a significant impact to York. In a document distributed by the Vice-Chancellor, he noted, we will establish three faculties of arts and humanities, science and medicine, and social science to replace the current clusters. Each faculty will be headed by a dean. The role of dean of faculty will replace the role of academic coordinator. A restructuring of the university is one of the least controversial of, of the VC's plans. In the document, he noted, where appropriate, teaching and administrative workloads will be reduced to achieve exceptional research outcomes, and academic staff may be appointed to teach in focused roles without a research requirement. Students are also likely to see a larger student community in the coming years. Next week, the government will remove restrictions on student numbers and York University intends to take advantage of this opportunity. The government, the document detailed that the university will increase student numbers in programs that are strong and have the potential to recruit additional excellent students. It will consider carefully how we can achieve an optimal balance between undergraduate and postgraduate students and between home, EU and international students. Any significant increase in student numbers and departments will be matched by academic appointments to protect the enhanced department's research 
discursivity and to ensure that all students are adequately supported. Cohen Lambent's detailed his aspirations for students to receive the best quality education at York and to become global citizens. Become global. Yeah, they, I think it's important that we try to give them that outlook on things, definitely. Whether I'm Belgian or not, I don't think it makes much difference. But um, it, it certainly is the case that, you know, when I came out of my PhD, there was the idea that I would go wherever it was needed, you know, to do the kind of work I wanted to do, and uh, I mainly have to convince my wife that it was a good idea to go to all these different places. So you came out, well, I personally came out of my school of education with a, an outlook, well, it doesn't matter where I end up, you know, that's where the best opportunities are, that's where I'll go. And that's really what I mean, on how I would interpret that sort of global outlook on things. If we can give our students a sort of a sense, you know, that, that they shouldn't worry about physical location too much in pursuit of their ambition. Um, I think we've, we've achieved a great... Well, thank you very much for that report, Harry. So you went along to the meeting earlier this week. Um, what other points did the VC make during this talk? Well, he mentioned that the... Uh, he mentioned that Heslington e, uh, West Campus is of mixed quality. So they plan to um, rebuild a lot of the poor quality buildings on Heslington West. And he made it quite clear that this wouldn't disrupt um, uh, students' hours, so all the work will take place over summer and Christmas. Uh, he also he also noted that he plans to establish a highly competitive and prestigious postdoctoral fellowship scheme. Um, so students might fi might find that they want to stay on um, at York University and York University will um, fund them as, as young researchers. Excellent. And so do you think, he's obviously spoken quite a lot about um, what's going to happen for students. Do you think these proposals are actually going to go down quite well with the student body? Well, I think the majority of the proposals will be very successful, but I think many students will be concerned now that students are paying £9,000 a year that... that um, that the uh, lecturers are going to spend many of the lecturers are going to spend more time researching than, and that might uh, affect how much time they are in lectures and, and in tutorials. So you think that maybe more of an initiative may, needs to be made to uh, make sure students understand where their money are going and that their money is going towards them. I think so. But I think because uh, student media um, in in York is uh, there is there's there's so much contact with student media and students are very involved. I think the VC will be aware of what students want and I think he's he's very applicable to um, the ideas of students. Okay, so um, another thing I suppose students are aware of is how much uh, is York Uni going to become a global community? Do you think the uni is going to change their relationships um, with sort of the world of academia? Well, I think York's, uh, the, the VC mentioned that, that compared to other Ruskell universities, York doesn't uh, so much engage with businesses um, and that affects uh, internships and funding so I've, he, he, he's, he strives for York University to, to, to build uh, to build a best relationship with businesses and also very interestingly he mentions that he wants the university to build a presence and influence in Brussels um, so in effect he wants to, to lobby and, and uh, look for more funding abroad Excellent. Well, thank you very much for joining us, Harry. Thank you.
You are Wine News at six with Karis Brain. Now, there have been new leads in the Claudia Lawrence case. The chef at the university went missing in 2009, and now a man's been arrested on suspicion of her murder. Ben Basin is joining me in the studio. He's got more on this story. Karis, it was a significant day last Tuesday when, over five years after Claudia Lawrence was last seen, the first arrest was made in connection with the disappearance. It was back in t- March 2009 that 35-year-old Claudia was last seen, and she was walking home from a shift at the Roger Kirk Centre. She worked as a chef there, which, at the time was part of Goodrick College. Since that afternoon, her disappearance has become one of North Yorkshire Police's most high-profile investigations. After five years of investigation, what happened to Claudia remained a mystery. Back in January, I spoke to Claudia's father, Peter, who told me about the pain of not knowing what happened to his daughter. It's uh, absolutely awful. It's the not knowing, as I've always said over the past five years, not knowing what has happened to your your child. It's, uh, It's absolutely awful. Uh, the main thing is to get people aware of it as soon as possible. It's coming up to the, the five-year anniversary of Claudia's disappearance. Um, how are you feeling five years on? As devastated as ever. We just don't know what happened to Claudia that day in March five years ago. And somebody out there, as I've said and the police have always said, does know what happened. It's really time that uh, they put us out of our misery. But a renewed appeal on the five-year anniversary of the incident and new leads back in March brought with it hope that the mystery might be solved. A crime watch programme was aimed, was aired, appealing for witnesses. Now, five years ago, 35-year-old Claudia Lawrence disappeared from her home city of York. No one has seen or heard from her since. Well, tonight, following a review of the case, detectives can now reveal potentially crucial new leads. It came as detectives started new forensic tests at Claudia's house in Heworth, as well as in a car. The appeal showed previously unseen CCTV footage of a Ford Focus driving up Heworth Road, where Claudia lived, on the morning of her disappearance, when she would have been walking to work. She never actually turned up to her shift, which started at 6am. The brake lights of this car came on just as it drew level with Claudia's house. The police also appealed for information about two men. Detective Superintendent Di Malin is from North Yorkshire Police. The first man was seen on Heworth Road during the week leading up to Claudia's disappearance. He's described as a male in his 30s, 5 foot 8 to 5 foot 9, with very tidy brown hair with a fringe. Now it looked as if he was looking for an address. He was on the phone and he had a rucksack on his back. He appeared to walk up to a green door, which we thought was Claudia's door, and the lady at the door uh, appeared surprised but then let the man in. So that's one man. Tell me about the other. This could be hugely significant. This is from a witness who says that on the morning morning of Claudia's disappearance at quarter to seven in the morning, he saw a male described as 55 to 65 with grey hair, mid-length, and he was wearing a three-quarter length sandy-coloured Mac. It's really important we trace that man. Well, after the appeal for information, police continued their inquiries and last week arrested 59-year-old Michael Snelling on suspicion of murdering Claudia Lawrence. He also worked at the university and has now been released on conditional bail. Police have spent the last week doing forensic tests on a house in Burnham in connection with the case and are stressing that Claudia still hasn't been found. They're also not ruling out the possibility of further arrests. Meanwhile, North Yorkshire police are continuing to appeal for information on the case. An email was sent round all students at 
around the university, asking people to come forward who might know anything. The number to call is, if you do have information is non-emergency line 101, or you can email majorcrimeunit at northyorkshire.pnn.police.uk. That's majorcrimeunit at northyorkshire.pnn.police.uk. Karis. Thank you very much, Ben. Now, the time is 15 minutes past six, and you're listening to the UI News Hour. If you do want to message in any opinions on anything you've heard about tonight's stories, you can do using the Twitter. That's UI News. And uh, send a message into the website uoi.org.uk. Now, up next, the York Sport Committee has been announced. Voting happened throughout last week with 4,671 ballots being cast. The successful candidates were revealed on Monday, and here are the results for you. So, in our new committee, we've got Anna Marshall as treasurer, Sasha Arnott as fundraising and events officer, Dave Washington will be college sport officer for the second year and is now joined in the role by Melissa Turner. Our three tournament secretaries are Andy Thomas, Izzy Hutchinson, and Grace Clark. Wellbeing, uh, Wellbeing and Development Officer is Anna Cook. Charlotte Brown is the Get Into Sport Officer and the Communications Officer is Caitlin Graham. So a big congratulations to all those elected into the new committee and good luck in the big year. Um, but I'm joined now in the studio now by our York Sport President, Cass Brown, along with College Sport Officers, Dave Washington and Melissa Turner. Thank you guys for coming in. No worries, Karis. Thank you for having us. Thank you. No, and con- congratulations to everybody. Um, so just start off with, uh, for people who don't know, can I get you, Cass, to explain a little bit about exactly what the York, York Sport Committee is and what you guys do? Yeah, sure. Well, obviously it consists of all the people that you've just spoken about. Um, we meet on a weekly basis um, to cover any issues that are happening, anything, anything that's coming up. Um, they promote events and they decide on funding and make other major, major decisions about the York Sport Union. Um, and then obviously they also have their individual remits, which entail a great deal of stuff. So they do a lot, basically. Absolutely heaps, I think. Um, so obviously students are quite aware of what you do as president. But do you think that perhaps the committee doesn't have quite a, as big a profile and awareness? Is it kind of, does everybody at university know what it does or is it kind of just people that are involved in sport? No, I think you're right. It's mainly people that are involved in sport that get what the York Sport Committee do, which makes sense and I don't think is necessarily the worst thing in the world. Um, but as a committee this year, we have tried um, to change this a little bit. Um, we did a survey right back in, in September that basically said that people don't necessarily know what they do, even within sport. Um, And I think this year we've been a lot more transparent about what we do, and um, the committee have definitely got out there more in terms of visiting clubs and getting the word out about the Sport Committee. So um, yes and no, but there's a long way to go. Absolutely. And how do you guys feel about joining the... Obviously, Dave, you're staying on it, but um, how do you feel about joining it? Um, Very excited. I've been part of the college sport committee for the past two years so it's really it'll be really good to kind of get involved with more of the like just general side of york sport because that's quite obviously i'm doing college sport officer but it'll be i'll have a say in everything as well which i'm what i'm really excited about so absolutely and dave you looking forward to carrying on in the role of course i just can't give up i just love it just drag my heels for as long as possible isn't it all that just keep going indeed um, so i suppose you're having to engage with an awful lot of different sports clubs. Everybody has a lot of different needs. Is this a real big challenge for um, the committee to come together and make sure that they're understanding the, what uh, other clubs need, especially if like, you've got a lot of people from one club in particular? Yeah, it can be. Um, we have a great strategy of coping with that, which is each committee member is, just, is assigned um, a certain amount of clubs. So this year it's been six to eight. Um, and this year the committee is expanding, so we'll have an even greater knowledge and awareness of our clubs. Um, we've obviously got 10 committee members this year, which is the most we've ever had. Um, so it, it can be difficult at times, um, but we do our best, and like I said, it's improving. 
And um, do you know if you've got um, anything in particular lined up or is it something that's sort of going to come back in the next couple of weeks when you start to get together and talk to the new committee? Um, well, I think for me, it's kind of just building on what we've done this year and I've got the fantastic opportunity of having a second year and being able to see what went wrong this year and how, how we can improve and how the team can actually gel better and, and like I said, just all the other things we can do. I don't know about you, Dave, you've also had a, a year on the committee. Yeah, I think in terms of college sport, for me, it'll be going into the start of this year, actually knowing what I'm doing in comparison to last year when you start and you're brand new to a role and it takes you about three months to actually work out what on earth you're supposed to be doing every day and how the whole system works and how everything within sports at the university works. Now both myself and Cass are very fortunate in that we can go in with the experience of a year behind us and hopefully carry on the excellent work from this year. Melissa, do you feel this is probably going to help you as joining the committee, having people that mm. kind of really know what's going on, I suppose? Yeah, definitely. Um, especially having Dave like alongside me doing the same role. I think I would be absolutely terrified because there's so much in the role that I just wouldn't know about unless Dave was there. So it's definitely very helpful to have that kind of insight already. Absolutely. Um, and I suppose lastly, um, one of the big events that the York Sport Committee does is Roses. We just had a very successful Roses, or not so much for us, but it all went off quite well. Everybody had really seemed to have a really good time at Lancaster. Um, have you got already got sort of things that you're, you're thinking you might want to do for a home Roses? Um, yes, um, as I was going around Lancaster's campus, I was kind of writing notes down in my phone about, oh, they did this, we can do this better. Um, so, yeah, I've got tons of ideas. Wouldn't want to reveal anything just yet, obviously. <laughs> um, but, but yeah, and also we've got three tournament sex this year, which is great. So we've got an even bigger team working closely on Roses. Yeah. Brilliant. Well, congratulations, everybody, again. And I wish you all the best of luck in the coming year for York Sports. Hopefully it's a great year for York and a great year for sports. Thank, Thank you. you very Thank much, you. guys. No problem. Um, so now the University of York has fallen two places in the complete university guide rankings. We've got uh, Ben Basin in the studio here to talk a little bit more about what's happening. But uh, um University rankings, they can often play a big part in helping us make our mind up about where to study. Its ranking was a reason, one of the reasons why I chose to come to York. As a high school student, when I was trying to choose which university to go to, I did look at university rankings and things to see, you know, where York stood in regard to other universities. Part of the reason, like, I liked how I was coming to York was, like, everyone was like, oh, yeah, that's a really good uni, isn't it? I, I um, Googled it all for my interview, and it was like, yeah, really, that's what I looked at. I think it's very important for the university. It is something that you think about when you choose the university. But now, the Complete University Guide has released its figures for 2015, and York has dropped two places from 12th to 14th, with Loughborough and Surrey haven't overtaken us since last year. We're now the ninth highest ranked university in the Rosser Group, according to these stats. The Complete University Guide takes things into account like entry standards, student satisfaction, research assessment, and graduate prospects, which give each uni a total score out of 1,000. We got 849 this year. So, how are students reacting to the drop. I went out onto campus to find out. Bit of a shame considering when I started five years ago we were ninth I think um, so it's a bit of a shame but it's not something that really matters because I don't think that league tables tend to actually represent the quality of a university. You always see Cambridge and Oxford right up the top and they don't produce the best research which you are getting at universities like Manchester and York depending on the department you're from. I was actually really disappointed one of the reasons I came to York was because it's got such good ranking so it is disappointing to see it fall. It doesn't really have much of an impact on my life I'll be honest not best please because like when I uh, joined like part of the reason like I liked how I was coming to York was like everyone was like oh yeah that's a really good uni isn't it but then seeing 
it kind of dropping the rankings a bit isn't it's a little the bit best. disappointing maybe because it is yeah. something that you think about when you choose the university and also job prospects as well like because I suppose it's so competitive these days there's kind of a bigger emphasis on the top 10 as it were I mean Oxbridge the Oxbridge like uh, bias is bad enough but top 10 is quite a big thing and sort of seeing us sort of drift slowly like further away from that isn't ideal some students not too pleased with the drop in rankings then the university too says it's disappointed they've given us this statement while falling these rankings is disappointing league tables have always been volatile it is often difficult to relate rises and falls to the performance of individual universities in contrast to the complete university guide york's performance in the recent iGrad survey is very encouraging indeed this international comparator which is based entirely on the views of students themselves places york well above average in all categories more importantly it places york ahead of other russell group universities which took part in the survey well in that iGrad survey york scored 100 percent for chaplaincy 98 percent in expert lectures and 97 percent for first night experience we also scored above the international average in learning living support and arrival but there's no doubt that the slip in the complete university guide has been a blow to the university when it comes to subject tables though it's a mixed bag in English, we're down from 6th to 8th, and computer science, we're down from 9th to 15th. But there is some good news. In electrical and electronic engineering, we're up from 20th to 17th. In politics, we've gone up one place to 11th, and in nursing, we're up from 7th to 5th. A lot of people I spoke to said they took more notice of the university's rankings in their particular subjects than its score overall. I paid attention to it for departments, not for the overall university. Archaeology was where I started, and that was quite high up when I began. Um, no idea where it is now. Didn't pay attention to the overall league tables when I uh, first decided my university. If anything, I looked more at how this place ranks in regards to my specific subjects as opposed to overall. But yeah, I did the same thing because we do the same subject, so yeah. it's quite specific. So it, it did, it did, it was quite a big factor, I'd say, yeah. in relation to subject though, rather than overall. So we're nursing students, and it was uh, number one for nursing. Exactly. So it's more the department than the university yeah. as a whole. It's mm -hmm. as well because my specific subject, English, has also went down in the subject table. As well. So an overall drop of 12th to 14th in the ranking is disappointing for many students, but it appears subject tables are more important to many, where there have been some mixed results. Ben Basin reporting there on the university rankings. URY News at 6 with Karis Brain. It's time now for an update on the world of sport, and we're joined by URY sports editor Mitch Holder-Mansfield. You've got all the latest, Mitch. Thanks, Karis. It may have gone a bit quiet on the sporting front on campus in recent weeks following Roses, but it was all still to play for for York City FC, who have narrowly missed out on a place in the League 2 playoff final at Wembley after losing 1-0 on aggregate to Fleetwood Town. The tie's only and ultimately decisive goal was scored in the first leg of the semi-final by former York City star Matty Blair, of all people, before a goalless draw in the return leg at Fleetwood last Thursday. I was at Bootham Crescent two Saturdays ago to see how the first of the two games would unfold. Or so I thought. I'm here at Bootham Crescent for York City's League 2 playoff semi-final first leg against Fleetwood Town. It's been absolutely pouring it down. The players are out there now, half an hour ahead of kickoff. Also out on the pitch right now are the groundsmen who've got quite a job on their hands, clearing the pitch of the water. The plan, I'm told, is still to go ahead with kickoff at 7.30, but an abandonment is looking like a possibility right now. Yeah. 
information there that kickoff has been delayed by half an hour back to 8 p.m. Have been told, however, that the forecast isn't looking good. A real danger now that this game tonight may not go ahead. The referees now back out on the pitch, checking the bounce of the ball, or lack thereof, as the case appears to be. York City Communications and Community Director Sophie Hicks. Everyone's tried their very best to get this game on. A big disappointment. We're likely to lose revenue from this, and also it's going to be a big inconvenience for many supporters. But um, we need to focus and uh, look at replaying this hopefully Monday or Tuesday. It's unlikely that the new game will be on Sky, so we, so we would lose the. Sky TV revenue. Match referee Carl Boyson. Both managers supported me throughout. They were patient. They listened. They went out there when I asked them, and both are in agreement that the, the spectacle at the game you would want it to be, being a semi-final of the uh, playoffs, that don't want anything put to chance on a pitch like that. You, you want to leave it as long as you possibly can, but you've got to also be sensible and realise that we can't be still stood here at midnight. And as I've just said to you, it's just starting to rain again. And York City manager Nigel Worthington. As we well know, there hasn't been a game postponed at the Breatham Crescent all season when there has been has been all over the country elsewhere. I believe it's been rearranged for Monday and there's talk of it might be Tuesday instead. Are you happier with, with the Monday? I wanted, I wanted the Monday. Yeah. yeah. It gives us an extra day's recovery towards the, the game on the Friday. There's disappointment that the game hasn't gone ahead. Of course there is, because as a, as a player, coach manager, you build yourself up for the game. But big thing is we've got tomorrow uh, to get to work and then uh, look forward to the game again on Monday. And so enormous disappointment for York City tonight. There was a real sense of occasion in the build-up to kick-off. Sky Sports were here, the national press were here, the fans were certainly here. Let's hope they'll all be here again on Monday. And so after some extremely hard work by the club's ground staff and volunteers, the rearranged fixture was able to go ahead last Monday. And contrary to earlier reports, Sky Television were also able to return to Bootham Crescent to broadcast the game in an additional boost for the club. I was also able to make the return. Monday 12th of May and I'm back at Bootham Crescent where York City will be hoping that Saturday's full start won't hinder them in their attempts to make it to Wembley. Despite more rain throughout the day, the referee has praised what he's described as the amazing transformation of the pitch, thanks to the outstanding effort put in by the York City staff to ensure that this game can get underway this evening. 7.45pm kickoff, game on. Better late than never. Just one change for York City with Hayhurst coming in following his goal at Scunthorpe last weekend. Consistency is going to be key for Nigel Worthington as his side attempt to extend their unbeaten run to 18 games. A sellout crowd of around 7,000 made it on Saturday night, only to be disappointed. The club has been honouring all match tickets from the original game. Not so many Fleetwood Town fans, however, have risked another trip from Lancashire. at half-time, but a watchable game. The pitch has, if anything, improved the spectacle, with the ball moving across the wet surface quickly and often unpredictably. Chances are few and far between, though. 
Fleetwood Sarsovic tested Pope from distance. York had a couple of feeble penalty appeals turned down. No score. Excellent atmosphere. Three quarters of the tie to go. nil to Fleetwood it finishes the Minster men started the second half the better of the two teams and almost took the lead when Colston cut in from the left and shot narrowly wide across goal moments later however the visitors went in front when former York City favourite Matty Blair of all people bundled the ball in from a low right hand cross his celebrations were reserved the 252 travelling Fleetwood fans were anything but York had plenty of chances to equalise in what became an open game. Marauding man of the match right back Oya Banjo in particular, causing plenty of problems for Fleetwood and giving plenty of encouragement to the home fans in the process. Hume should have doubled his side's lead with 15 minutes remaining when he was sent through one-on-one -on -one against York keeper Nick Pope. But his miss means that Fleetwood returned with just a one-goal advantage. No away goals in the playoffs, all still to play for on Friday night in the second leg. After the match, I spoke to BBC Match of the Day commentator and renowned York City fan, Guy Mowbray. Your thoughts on your beloved York City's performance tonight? Um, second half was better than the first. First wasn't great at all, but um, the second leg should be really exciting. There's nothing in that at all. No away goals rule in the no. playoffs, of course. All still to play for at Flynn Fleetwood. There, there is, and I know that York, having seen them several times this season, time allowing, um, they can play a lot better than that. I thought once they went to um, two up front in the latter stages of the game, they looked a bit of a threat and just didn't get the lucky break. Bearing in mind that at the turn of the year, we were two places off the bottom in 22nd position, and then to make the playoffs is a bonus. So, to be quite honest with you, bring on next season, no matter what happens, whether it be League One or League Two, this has been a terrific end to the season anyway. And York City manager, Nigel Worthington. The response was excellent. I thought we were slow out of the blocks. There was a few nerves about, a few a little shy on the performance, but we got that sort out in half-time. And we were more like the York that's went 17 unbeaten. Big games demand people, players, to stand up and be counted. And we were one or two light in the first half. But we got it sorted at half-time. We are much better in the second half, like York of old. And it's important that we start like that again on Friday night. There's all to play for. There's all to play for, and I'm very much looking forward to Friday night. Unfortunately for the Minster men, those missed chances proved to be costly as Fleetwood were able to hold on to their slender advantage in the return leg at Highbury Stadium last Thursday. York posed the bigger threat throughout in Lancashire, roared on by an impressive sellout travelling contingent of over a thousand. But the hosts were resolute and will now meet Burton at Wembley next Monday for a place in League One. For Nigel Worthington and his men, it's back to the drawing board as they look to build upon their surprising and impressive end to the season next time around. Just the one Bucks cricket match today, with York seconds winning away to Hull thirds to make it seven wins out of seven so far. The Black and Golds ended on 275 for five off of their 40 overs, Hull managing just 71 runs all out off of their 21.3 overs. Elsewhere on campus, the University of York Boat Club are currently attempting to row on rowing machines non-stop from 7am to 7pm setting themselves the target of rowing a total of 270 kilometres. The clubs are trying to raise funds for equipment and facilities. To find out more about their Ustart campaign or to donate yourself, follow the links on our Twitter account at URY Sports or Facebook page facebook.com forward slash URY Sports. 
leaving you with your latest international sports news now. England cricket captain Alastair Cook says the habit of not winning many games recently might have played a part in last night's 2020 defeat to Sri Lanka. The home side lost by nine runs at the Oval, with the Sri Lankan scoring well towards the end of their innings. Ahead of the first one day between the teams tomorrow, Cook says they're still trying to recover from their Ashes tour. In athletics, Mo Farah has pulled out of his first scheduled race since the London Marathon. He was due to complete, compete on Sunday in a 10-kilometre road race in London, but he's not yet ready to return to action. Farah struggled in his debut over 26 miles, finishing 8th last month. And in football, England trio Phil Jones, Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain and Jack Wiltshire all trained at the national sides camp in Portugal today as part of their World Cup preparations. Manchester United defender Jones was involved in the non-contact element as he recovers from a shoulder injury. All three were fitness concerns towards the end of the Premier League season. I'm Mitch Holder-Mansfield. In the meantime, back to you, Karis. You are Wine News at 6 with Karis Brain. Thank you very much, Mitch. That was all your sports news. The time is 36 minutes past six and York Vision is out on campus. I've got Ben Basin joining me in the studio here and you've been having a quick look through, Ben, haven't you? What's uh, what's caught your eye this week? I have indeed, Karis. Well, I think it's, it's worth mentioning, first of all, that I think York Vision had a front page um, that was all ready to go to print um, and it was pulled at the last minute. A little nod to that, actually, on page six, where um, Vision have got a new little column called York Vision Says, I think their sort of opinion on matters across campus the first one says give us some more cash or we will be forced to dot 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 and they put redacted i think perhaps um, referring to the fact that the story that was on the front page was going to be pulled was pulled last minute um they say in this little section it's an absolute travesty that societies are under threat from those we feel don't have the necessary skills to manage them we'd love to see an increase in funding but we are preparing for the inevitable cuts so i think this is pro- probably a story about media cuts um in usu which were uh, perhaps on the horizon next year but we don't know what they're saying about it because of course um, that's been pulled um, from the front page instead on, on the front page they've gone with battle of the bands as their headline an intriguing headline which doesn't give give much away as to what it refers to but um, i'm thinking it it, do, it refers to the two announcements um in, in today's york vision about bands playing at the big end of year events this year um first of all up in the paper is the summer ball headliners which actually were announced on ury um on monday night on the focus music show um twin atlantic are going to be headlining um it's on the june the 18th is summer ball at the york race course as it is every year um so twin atlantic going to be in the headlining other bands can be playing are m neck um and kyla lagrange as well as vintage trouble um vision taking a little bit of a i think a pessimistic view to this they've only quoted two students in this article and they both of which have been quite damning about the, the lineup um someone says um it is worse than live and loud and fresh as last year. So quite a pessimistic article. But Callum Taylor says it's it's he's really looking forward to it. He's looking forward to the whole thing. It's always an absolutely epic event with some um, where sometimes there's almost too much going on. So that's uh, Summer Ball, which has been announced. Also announced in the paper is Project D um, headliners. Um, Project D, of course, um, re- which is replacing um, the um, Big D, which is was cancelled last year. Uh, Base Hunter is the headliner for this year's Project D, which is happening on the 9th of June. Um, um, he actually headlined Big Dean 2011, three years ago. So he's coming back um, to Derwent to play. Um, also, there's going to be Artful Dodger, Red Light, and Mousy, um, as well as uh, yeah. So there we go. That's that's Project D as well. So two exclusives. Even though I think you are why perhaps announced the Summer Ball 
slightly think, before Vision. I think we may have got a, got in there slightly, slightly earlier. But um, York Vision claiming it as an exclusive right. anyway, as well as Project D, which I think we can give them. I think Project. We, I think they, they have Project. Have they can have Project D. Yeah. Um, uh, other things that I noticed in in the paper today, quite a shocking story actually about um, a, a mental health survey. Um, a mental health survey on campus revealed that 60% of, of people believe that their mental health has worsened since coming to the university, and 56%. So over half of people say that there weren't enough services um, that um, the students are aware of to support them. Um, so uh, quite a shocking sort of revelation, really, that the the facilities on on campus or the services provided evidently aren't enough for students. Um, it was actually Mental Health Awareness Week last week. Um, Vision, again, quite scathing about USU um, here. They said they, they did next to nothing to promote support services during this week. Um, I, I think that's almost a fair comment. I mean, I can't really I can't really think of anything that they've done for this week that, that really stood out to me. No, I can't. Mm-hmm. I can't really... I don't... I, in all honesty, I didn't know it was happening. I mean, it might have been in part because everybody... Obviously, it's exam season. Everybody's getting very stressed at mm-hmm. the moment. So maybe students just weren't looking for it. But I think at the same time, you know, students are stressed. Their mental health is getting worse yeah. at this time of year. So I, don't, I think Vision probably have a fair point. Yeah, perhaps it was slightly bad timing that, that that week has fallen during exams. But hey, you know, not many people um, have have really noticed that it's going on. Thomas Ron um, has said that, you know, he's admitted that, you know, this does show that there's more work to be done. And um, he said there's going to be a big day next week where they're going to hope to, to raise uh, uh, awareness about the mental health facilities that are available on campus and the services that are provided. Um, one more little story that I noticed in Vision. Um a success to do with bollards. So I think this has been a quite an ongoing dispute, really. Campaigners have been trying to get the bollards at the end of Old Heslington Road um, to be to be replaced by new ones, because they are quite lethal. They're a bit... Yeah, you kind of worried for your ankles, don't you, cycling yeah. along through there? Apparently students have reported that they've suffered injuries, falling over them, and others have said that they're, they've broken their bicycle chains. Um, but Vision has revealed that they're going to be replaced. They, the campaigners have won their fight um, to see the old the old bullards replaced. Um, in fact, George Hughes, who's a third-year student, announced on social media that the, the council are going to be um, doing it after a complete health and safety audit so that's that's some good news i think and they've got a picture in there of what they'll look like and they look far safer far safer excellent that's what all cyclists want to hear really isn't it brilliant and yeah. is that so is there anything else caught your eye ben or is that kind of vision summed up for today really that's pretty much it yeah 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 wonderful well that is actually all we uh, have time for on tonight's your why news hour so thank you ever so much for listening the time now is just gone 20 minutes to seven o'clock and uh, we're going to be back next week at the same time as 6 p.m so be sure to join us as usual and thank you ever so much for listening this evening but to finish off we're going to go to your national and international headlines with ben basin you are